Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. It's a full house today and uh, well, we're in kind of celebratory mood, aren't we guys? Uh, Watford have picked up another victory uh, against Burnley, who are kind of a, a rival, I suppose, in, in, in a way. Um, not as strong as, as the likes of Bournemouth or Luton or, or those, but we always like to get one over Burnley, I think. Maybe it's the, like the old Sean Dyche thing, even though he's not there anymore. Anyway, how's everyone doing? All good, I'll go in then. <laughs> All good. HMS pissed the league, picking up steam, which is always good to see. So, yeah, happy days. Happy days. Yeah, also very well. Um, yeah, I mean, on the balance of things, the, the results have been pretty good, even if we want to see a little bit of improvement. So, I think we're, uh, yeah, feeling pretty good. Am I right on the, the, the kind of rival thing or not really? What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I there's, some, there's, there's, some, there's something. In, well, I mean, I think there's something in the fact that we at least suspect they'll be around around us this season. So it's somewhat, it feels like a big game and somewhat of a rival, I guess. But apart from that, I, I couldn't really care too much about about Burnley. No, no, I agree with, I agree with you there. Um, oh, where do, where do we start? I suppose, um, well, I, I'll tell you what. Did any of us think that uh, we would be sitting here after three games with two wins and a draw? That's not bad, is it? No, I think I think the pretty much. I mean, obviously, best case scenario is three wins, but I think if we were being realistic, I think we'd just say that would be best case scenario. We expected, and I think we did have we have had some of the teething issues that we anticipated, but we've just still managed to get the the results required. I think it's it's been a um, yeah, it's definitely been positive for that from that regard because yeah we weren't probably expecting these sorts of results based on the the difficulty of the start but also you know how much work there was to be done in terms of transitioning over from last year's team to this one tom how about yourself uh, uh, the negativity of the show sometimes did you think we'd have uh, seven points um i don't know what i i thought to be honest but but seven points definitely seems like more than i would have bargained with in my own mind as as being an, a good enough start to the season if that makes sense so yeah I, I feel like that's a that's a good return um probably you know as much given because there were so many unknown quantities about this team and who we were going to even have how we were going to play how they were going to take to what Rob Edwards wanted to do what the mood was going to be like etc etc so yeah, I think I think that's probably more than I would expect it. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty bloody happy, I have to say. And I think it's it's maybe more important about who those points are against rather than the fact that they're just in the bag because you know, these are teams that are we're, we're thinking are going to be up there come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, definitely that was we probably had the toughest schedule um for the opening five games of any team uh, in the league, especially those that are pushing for promotion. So uh, yeah, I think it was it's extremely promising that we've had those results and to to get them in a time where we're still not really kind of I'd say we're pretty far off where we can be um, as a team. We're still we're still getting those results that could prove you know real handy looking back later on in the season that we managed to kind of get through these situations and still have bad performances such as West Brom, but you know take a vital point. So I think no matter what way you look at it there's there's definitely a, a huge positive to take from the the opening three games purely on the on the result perspective alone. Now there was a distinct change to to the game yesterday against Burnley and and that was the shape of the team the formation uh moved from a 3-5-2 to a 4-3-3 and that probably had something to do with uh, an Emmanuel Dennis uh being sold uh to Nottingham Forest which we'll get onto a bit later but um Jordan what did you make of the of the new shape? And also, um, 
what does it say about Rob Edwards and his ability to be flexible, really, as a manager, which is something that we've been crying out for for probably the last two or three managers that we've had? Yeah, it definitely speaks to the kind of coaching flexibility and adaptability. I think there was, I can't remember the exact quote now, I kind of just have to give it a go, I guess. But I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but he said something along the lines of he didn't quite have the midfielders he, he felt that he needed to execute what he wanted to do. Um, and I think you kind of look at a few of the the personnel we talked about in the last couple of podcasts or even beforehand. We haven't really given him um, entirely the the players that we need for him to to replicate what he was doing at Forest Green Rovers. So he had to adapt a little bit to 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 to, uh, to fit some of those changes. Obviously, we said that Emmanuel Dennis not being available. Um, but then again, if if Emmanuel Dennis was available, he still could, he still probably would have made the same change. I think it was more yeah you think uh, to so? do with. Well, yeah, I think because we still played with the front three and Ken Semmer played. I'm sure that Dennis would have probably occupied the role that Semmer had. Uh, but I, I think the, the main thing is that we, we still don't have the outside centre-backs and the wing-back situation was still a little bit questionable. And also, of course, as he mentioned at the end of the of the game there in the interview, the, the midfield wasn't quite wasn't quite what he needs for that that shape. So changing things, I, I think it did allow us to to be a little bit more flexible. It helped us get numbers forward. I thought we were quite obviously so deep against West Brom. Uh, we were able to get numbers forward, and that did help us with the uh, with the press. Once we did lose the ball, we were still more, in more advanced positions to try and win it back. And uh, I thought we were quite disruptive, even, even though we didn't have a lot of the ball again. Um, I thought we were quite disruptive, and uh, the shape, I, I think, definitely made us better. I still think that the three at the back is the long-term plan. I just think based on what he had, it was a it was a smart change. What did you make of it, to Tom? Do you think that it's uh, going to be sticking around longer than just that one game, or or is it a you know a flash in the pan? I um, yeah, probably sticking around longer. I I don't know. It's not. I don't think it's going to be a case of him abandoning playing with a back three, right? Because that's kind of all he's known in his career, certainly in the league with Forest Green Rovers. I think. I remember reading at the time of his appointment, they only alternated from that once and played something different. Um, and that, that was in an FA Cup game or a League Cup game or something. So, you know, clearly that's his preference. But I think, as Jordan said a minute ago, we haven't really given him the, the tools to do what he wants at this stage, right? You know, he finally got Hassan Kamara on the left for the first time. Um, and you've got someone who may or may not be suited to right wing back on the other side. Then Kamara gets... Obviously, he's sent off, so he's going to miss a game. So you're probably back to Ken on uh, at left back. Ken on Ken Semmer at left back. You know, it's it's kind of he's not had the ideal scenario. And I, I know I think this. I, funny enough, I was walking and talking to a chap the other day. I just bumped into and I had a Watford shirt on, and and he was asking about stuff and uh, my thoughts. And um, I said to him, I don't know about you, but I just can't wait for the end of the transfer window so we at least know who we're working with. And I imagine Rob Edwards feels the same way. And once that's out of the way, you know, maybe we'll get a bit more of a clear idea and he can assess what he's got and go, right, you know, we haven't really got the personnel to play 3-5-2 or 3-4-1-2 or we haven't got the personnel to play it the way I want. We're going to do something different. Um, but at the moment, it feels as positive as I am. It feels like we're, you know, and, and understandably so, right, we're, we're three games into a revolution. Um, we're a work in progress and it's, it's going to take longer than that to, stamp an identity on this side or for this side to kind of you know create its identity so I think it's going to be uh, a system that we see more of but I don't think that means by any means that the the back three is 
is kind of dead either. Um, and that's smart, right? Like people were criticising him for um, not being more flexible, rightly so, against West Brom and, and, you know, adapting things and putting someone else in midfield and we're clearly getting overrun there. So he changed it against Burnley and, and got the, the desired result. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with whatever, as long as it's kind of the best use of the players we've got or the best way to get the maximum from those guys. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties about the, the, the three-at-the-back system, which he uses. Once you do have those pieces, it's very adaptable and flexible in-game. You can change a few, tweak a few positions, and suddenly you're looking very different. I think that's one of the great things about the three-at-the-back system and why we've seen it so become so prevalent in teams that look to, to get promoted from the championship but also look to avoid relegation once promotion is gained. It just gives you that tactical flexibility to adapt to attacking, defending. You know, that transition can be really smooth. It's just It's just a very... Um, very effective system when used correctly but it does just require the right pieces and when you're in the process of acquiring those pieces as we are, are supposedly doing then you know you might have to change gears a little bit or go look down a different route until until you're in a position where you can do it successfully I can obviously understand Rob coming in and want to try and instill those ideas as quickly as possible but he's obviously probably had to accept that you know whilst all that work in pre-season has been focused on that one system at least for the meantime uh, we have to go to a plan B for a little bit. Tom, you mentioned that uh, there's been more of an emphasis on transitions. Yeah, in in no way recycling what people have said to me when I've had discussions on Twitter and in person since yesterday. It's, it's not a point that I thought of, I must admit, but the guy I went with, Chris, said to me um, at the end when we were walking away from the game, he said, you know, it's, it's you can tell it's a team that's kind of... Uh, not comfortable, not as comfortable on the ball as as maybe we want to be because they they they're quite you know quite happy to cede that possession and to that point I thought of it more from a um, we're just not getting possession point of view or we're losing it when we get it but I think actually maybe it is more you know strategic than that it's a kind of recognition that as we know Tom cleverly is not um, Johan Cruyff when he gets on the ball so you know, play to your strengths, right? Play to what they can do rather than what they they can't do. And it's probably, you know, the same with a few others, the centre-halves being another example, right? That they're not, you know, guys that are naturally ball-playing, progressive centre-halves. So um, it's, it's all part of the bigger picture, isn't it? This idea of, you know, we're going to play this way and this shape and that's going to be it for 46 games a season. Those, you know, those those days are long, long gone. Uh, yeah. You have to be, you have to adapt, don't you? So, I, you know, I may, that may not be right that may not be what he's kind of thinking at all. Maybe he does want us to dominate the ball and they are just incapable and he's trying to get them to do it regardless. But it's it's a way of looking at it that I hadn't thought of, which probably... No, I think I think that's accurate. I think he is I'm trying to... a football manager. Well, no, I think he is trying to... Um, sorry, I mean to interrupt you there, Tom. Sorry. No, no, I think um I think he is trying to make the best out of the situation. I mean, it's unfortunate for him. I'm sure he's frustrated. You know, he comes in without his... Uh, his best ball playing midfield is going to be out until, you know, the season, partway through the season. Uh, in Imran Loser, he's going to be someone that will be key to key to this team, I have no doubt. Uh, and also the kind of second best option in that regard in terms of having someone that can play with a little bit of tempo and a little bit of vision is Tom Dele Bashiru. And of course, he's now out for a few months himself. So it's unfortunate he's inherited the situation he has in midfield. Obviously, Hassa Chowdhury um, made a big difference, I thought, in, in midfield as well. That gave us a little bit of a different option, even though he's not someone you look at and, and say is a necessarily overly progressive ball-playing midfielder. He's not, but I think he 
he adds a different element, but he plays at a tempo which is much much quicker than the other midfielders we have. You look at Kambe and Cleverly, and they're not really looking to to break those lines very quickly. But even when Chowdhury's playing back or sideways, he's he's playing at a tempo which allows us to get the ball forward what before the opposition gets into position. And that's something we weren't doing enough of. So I think there are ways to work around it. And I think he'll be he'll be a key figure in that meantime as well, I, I, in my opinion. Yeah, how impressive was he, Tom? I wrote in the piece I did today, you know, when you're when you're you've been waiting for someone to come in and do something and you or you know, address a perceived weakness. I'm so excited I'm running my words into one tonight. Um you know, there's you, I think people have a tendency to go, that's it, they've solved it, they're the, the silver bullet, our problems are over. He was very, very good, I thought. Um I think what Jordan said there is absolutely right, actually. I hadn't really put my finger on it, but I was impressed with him on the ball and it wasn't because he was spraying it 60 yards onto, you know, Mitch's dick every five minutes. He was just moving <laughs> it quickly. He was, you know, he knew his, again, he knew his limitations. It's just quick, keep it moving, keep it simple. Don't take too many touches. Don't allow them to come on to you. Don't allow them to get up the field and close the space. Just keep it moving, shift it onto someone else, wherever the space is. Um, otherwise, the, the side of him that I expected to see, which was, you know, the work rate, the stamina, the high intensity, you know, we got all that as well, made two or three really timely um, interceptions on the night, didn't he? There's one in the first half where he sort of just flung himself in, I think, because someone was about to shoot and cannoned off him for a corner. There's one where he sort of stuck a heel out, hopefully cocked a heel and it it cut off a pass. Um, there were a couple of other really good tackles as well. And I think what makes that all the more impressive is that, you know, you're talking about a guy, as we said the other night, um, who's only played kind of fewer than 600 minutes in the league over the last two seasons so yeah you know he's he's kind of out of match sharpness but no re- really good first signs um really pleased with him well as you said too like it's not, it's not even he's not even necessarily looking up and playing the ball forward at the time it's just that you don't have to necessarily beat the lines with a single pass but if you if you if you move it quickly uh, and you can open some lanes up that that aren't available if you take your time i think so so often you look at the touches he takes you go back and look at his, his passes throughout that game you imagine cleverly or Kambe in that situation, they probably take two touches and look up. But he's playing things first time. Um, he's playing the ball into his into his midfield quickly and it allows him to get the ball forward. So he only played the ball forward five times last night. Um, you know, the, the other twenty one passes were backwards or sideways. So, it, but even so, it shows the effect that if you change that tempo, the effect it can have on the overall passing game is quite significant. Um, and he didn't give the ball away much at all either. So it was it was a real positive from. Uh, from Chowdhury and then as you say off the ball defensively he was uh he was really good he was an excellent screen and it's not something we were necessarily thinking we were calling out for was a defensive midfielder that could break up play you know we kind of feel that's the better side of our midfield or at least that's kind of more where they operate but he was good at doing both and it made an impact at, at both ends of the pitch I'd say yeah he made a pinpoint challenge as well uh I can't remember who it was against but it was a it was a vitally important um tackle that he got absolutely right yeah we called it we called him being on the floor for a few didn't we he um mm. yeah he certainly he certainly offered a lot uh, and i think the, the real key thing for me is it's great to see him doing well now but i think you picture him next to the likes of Imran loser and and that midfield suddenly looks a lot different yeah absolutely mm. um another guy that came in for a lot of praise uh in his second uh successfully game game of um of of, of applauds uh, was Daniel Backman, who who I felt was was excellent again, at least with his uh, with his shot stopping uh, abilities. He was fantastic, wasn't he? 
Yeah, really good. Um, quite funny, really, that Burnley fans were giving him grief in the first half, calling him a shit Ben <laughs> yeah. Foster. Yeah, that was funny. Um, and then, yeah, you know, kind of stuck two fingers up at them, really, with his performance. A shame that arguably his best save, I thought, which was the the reaction kind of springing to his right from from Gaspar's header, ultimately didn't count for anything um, because yeah. he, uh, it, someone was offside in the middle there. But he may, I watched the highlights back tonight and it's funny this morning. It's funny um, when you're at a game and you're watching, you don't necessarily appreciate you, or you don't necessarily realise who it is that's doing, making the chances or scoring the goals for a player when you're, uh, for a team when you're there, for the opposing team, making a horrible job of this. It was it was uh, Josh Brownhill. Every chance that they had, basically, was Josh Brownhill, wasn't it? He had yeah. the free kick after Kamara got sent off, which I think actually, from where I was sat, anyway, it looked like it was going wide, but he got across well and tipped it away to just make sure. He had one sort of where he got out really sharply to his near post at the right-hand side and blocked it. He had another one on the other side where he blocked it from Josh Brownhill, and it was mm-hmm. Josh Brownhill that hit the bar as well. My only kind of criticism of him I guess the only thing that you'd probably pick him up on was his distribution in the first half was a bit iffy not necessarily the whole half there were just a few instances in fairly quick succession where he got it um, he got it wrong uh, one of which if I recall I don't think he was helped by Mario Gaspar and then I'm pretty sure it was in the second half um, that he kind of got a bit stuck under his crossbar kind of bit boxed in by them and someone had to clear it away and we know that about him, that he can be a bit hesitant, I think, to leave his line. His kind of command of his area isn't his strongest point. But yeah, no, really good performance from him. A match-winning performance from him with some of those saves. First half, though, in particular, and this is the reason why one of the Burnley fans got on his back, his distribution is notably not the best. Well, I felt like when he first came in, that was what we praised him for, wasn't it? Well, I think he, better he than Ben Foster. the ball out. He was clipping the ball out, and last last time the championship, I thought he clipped the ball out to the fullbacks yeah. quite nicely. And but yesterday it looked a bit. There's a couple of times, well, at least one I can think of, where he kind of knocked it out for a throw in in a relatively simple situation. But he, yeah, so it's been a bit of you know, it's still been a bit of an issue. But um, knocking that ball out to the fullback was something he did quite well last time in the prim, in the championship. Sorry, but I think this time, you know, if we are playing with the back three, you have a few different options that are open, and I don't think it's necessarily integral to the way that we're going to play this season to have that. I mean, Muric, I think, is, a, is an example of someone that can play with his feet. And he almost got himself into trouble a couple of times last night. But, um, he, you know, it's, a, it's a, just a different sort of keeper. And I think, first and foremost, he's doing the things we need him to do right now. And that's kind of what we have to base, judge him on. Uh, and then we'll see as, as the team develops and we start to ask a few different things of him, how he does is probably what I'd, I'd say at this point. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent shout. Um Right, we then come to uh, another person who had, uh, well, I, th- I think a good game. Uh, at least he was the Sky Sports Man of the Match. Um, and we're talking about Edo Kiembe. Uh, but he's coming to a bit of criticism, not because of his performance per se, but because no. he perhaps isn't as deserving of that Man of the Match title as others, according to some of the fan base. Yeah, I mean, I have said I was shocked that he got man the match. Not that I necessarily put much hold much value onto who Sky gives man the match to. We have about twenty different man the matches every game. I think now we've got the manscape man the match and the you know whatever else there is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I thought he was. There should be a Watford I, I buzz man the match as well, George. The Watford buzz man. Well, that's the only one that matters, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So um, I don't really think that he had a, a 
great game. I thought he was pretty below average until um, I thought once Kamara got sent off, I thought he was. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. More active, um, more involved. But overall, before that, I, I wasn't particularly impressed. I thought he did well from set pieces. He was in the end to clear the ball a few times uh, from set pieces. But, you know, in possession again, I didn't didn't find him effective. Uh, I thought he was a little bit clumsy off the ball. He wasn't really struggling to get involved and be active defensively in general. He wasn't really cutting out passes or turning the ball over. Just kind of a bit of a of a nothing performance in my opinion. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess that's just it's subjective and and so on. But maybe I just kind of looking for something a little bit different in in that position. Hmm. Tom, I so I threw out the tweet earlier just idly while I was taking the rubbish out and I didn't expect it to generate as much traction as it did I think I got about 20 replies which for me is quite a lot um <laughs> a lot of people agreeing with me and a lot of people saying no you're completely wrong which is interesting and I think that probably says it all doesn't it that he's genuinely genuinely sorry polarizing opinion at the moment um after that I thought right we're podding tonight I'm going to do my research so I watched back everything that Y Scout had tagged of him from the game last night, every action he did that they've tagged, which may not be conclusive, but I assume is pretty much everything. And actually I have to say he probably did more than I appreciated in the ground, because as I said last week, I was sitting with my friend Chris, so we were quite low down in the rouse. You behind the sky camera virtually at times on halfway. So, you know, the view isn't as good as it could be. Um, and he, yeah, as Jordan said, he was he was the guy getting his head on a few things. He did get himself in there and make a little interception or nick the ball away on a few times. Seven interceptions, according to the Y Scout, tied with Ian Matson for the most, um, and fourteen successful defensive actions. I'm not quite sure whether they're defined as, uh, which is third for us behind Kamara and Gaspar. Um, but you know, does, is is that busy or is that effective? You know, that's. You'd have to look at what well, they that's, actually that's were the, in, the, in the, context, isn't it? As well, that's it. In the actual instance of watching each one individually to see what they were, one of the things I found most interesting though was someone said to me, "He plays too many Hollywood balls. He needs to play more five meter passes." I thought to myself, "If anything, he needs to play fewer five meter passes I mean, and try and progress the ball a bit more often." <laughs> um, I mean, he only made he only made six forward passes. Yeah, yeah so I don't think what, it's, what, it's the one, the one Hollywood ball I thought well, that might qualify. 
was swinging it out to Kamara on the left hand side. It was offside anyway, so I doubt it even registered yeah, which actually, as a pass. <laughs> it actually, uh, that one actually registered as an incomplete, which is a bit hard. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Um, I th- yeah. My thing with him is I, I don't, I still don't really know what he does, and 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 if his job is only to keep the ball moving, I think he could do it quicker. Um, That's it. Yeah. Then then okay, fine, but you have to consider that in the context of who's around him I think don't you and having him and cleverly that that ain't the answer he's too left foot you know he's completely reliant on his left foot he would he would you know sooner cut his left foot off chuck it at the ball and try and trap it than he would use his right foot the um, other one's just for standing isn't it it's, it, yeah, is, it is it is that it, uh, I think on. I think with go on. no no I'm interrupting you carry on sorry uh, that's fine no that's fine I think the only other thing I was going to say is um you know, I just I just want him to be a bit more dynamic sometimes. And okay, if he can't ping the 20, 30 yarders and open up space, then fine. But you know, kind of carry it. He just he just seems to move slowly and do everything slowly. And it was noticeable right at the end. There was one moment where he sort of sprinted over towards the um towards the Sir Elton John stand. I think he had the ball actually. And he and he put a shift on. And I was like, Well, why haven't you done that until now? You like in injury time or something, you must be shattered after running around. And you know we've been ten men for the last fifteen minutes, but then he finally did it. So, so you, like you can do it, like just be a bit more dynamic. That's that's what I would like from him. If you know, do what you're comfortable with. But yeah, I just I don't know. He's he's a strange one. He's a strange one. Yeah, I think exactly what you just ended on there is kind of what I was going to say as well. It's the the, the if you're not going to play, if you're not going to play the you're going to play the ball sideways and backwards. Add some tempo, like we kind of commended Chowdhury on. Um, and I thought to be fair to Cleverly, I thought he did a better job of that yesterday himself. Um, so add a little bit of tempo to it, or you know, carry the ball into space a couple of times because he gets in the right position, and that's not that's the kind of frustrating thing with Kembe sometimes. He gets in the right position, but then he just doesn't doesn't continue. He doesn't kind of go that extra step. And I'm not sure if he's playing conservative or he's not confident in doing so. But I do think he's capable of doing it. Um, and he played he played the more advanced position prior to joining us, so you'd, you'd expect him to be able to you know, take it on. He did it against Southampton. He had quite a nice turn and he rolled out and played forward. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not, and I don't want to kind of sound like I'm just getting on Kembe's back. So I do think there's a player in there that can definitely contribute. It's more just a case of, um, it's more just a case of he's not imposing himself in areas, which I think is capable of. It's not, I don't think he's good enough necessarily because uh, we see him do it in spells, but he just needs to add this. He needs to add another another gear to his game. I think, and he certainly looks a lot better player. I'm just looking through some of his actions now. I'm just going through some of his passes, and there's a few occasions where you know he's he's getting the ball and he's looking to spread wide, maybe to Gaspar, and he plays it at just at just a half pace. And by the time he's done so, Gaspar's closed down. By the time he receives the ball and he can't move forward, and he has to come home. It's just little things like that um, that I think could could change uh, kind of how he's perceived. But again, it's obviously subjective and. You know, whilst some of the numbers are, are decent, I, I think he could be he could be doing more to make a difference in midfield. Still, I'm I'm glad you said he played more advanced for when he was in Belgium with you Belgium with UPen because I I said that in my tweet I said I thought we were getting a more dynamic box to box midfielder from you know my far from um, extensive research i.e. watching ten or fifteen minutes of him on Ice Gap. And the guys from the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast messaged me and said there was nothing in his time in Belgium to suggest that. And, you know, everything's subjective and whatnot, and they might have watched it more of him or or whatever. But I, yeah, that was the distinct takeaway I had when I did watch him, that he got forward, he carried the ball, he scored some goals whilst he was in Belgium. He just doesn't seem like a player that would 
do that. And you know, if that if that isn't his role here, then then so be it. But I'm just yeah, I'm just a bit confused. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also difficult too because he's, he's in a, a different system. He's he's playing a different role. Like he carried the ball more, and you, you can kind of you go back and you watch his action, actions. You can see that he's he's definitely carrying the ball. He's getting touches in the the penalty area and so on. He's he's able to get forward a little bit, and it's, it is a different job. I mean, he's even got someone that's a left wing. You know, like he's he's not he's not completely an out and out defensive midfielder. He's not he's not Shoudhury. He's a different player and. It's maybe just again trying to find that right spot for him and and ease his way into it. Perhaps he'll he'll be capable of doing so. But it's just um, for me, it's it's not he's not kind of giving the man the match performances. I I just think he's not quite doing enough. But that's just my opinion, obviously. Okay, uh, a bit confused about Edo Kiembe then. Tom Cleverley, are we more concrete about his role within the team, or has his um, quite decent goal yesterday uh, changed minds a bit? I thought the midfield was better yesterday, and whether that was a because there was three of them in there and one of them was Chowdhury, and he could take some of the onus off of Cleverly to be the one that was going to route around at a hundred miles an hour. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely felt on the whole he was better. You know, he moved the ball a bit more quickly. There are a few instances of him kind of getting into areas where he just, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd take it and then pop it straight out to Saar or, or Gaspar or someone on the right. Um, and I just don't think we'd, we'd seen that in the first two games. His goal was obviously really well taken. Um, A good team goal, across. really, but it was, he had yeah, to finish it, it off. That's it, you know, but he, you know, steered it right in the corner. Murich had already kind of committed his weight to his right-hand side, hadn't he, I think. So, you know, it was a good, clever finish. I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a better game from him, um, but nothing changes. You, you probably don't want to see him starting every week uh, and playing ninety minutes, and, and certainly not in a two. I think you can get away with it a bit more in a three, obviously. He can yeah, still add something. To get away with it. He's not. The thing is, he's not going to be able to. The, the better parts of his performance yesterday, he's not going to. He's not going to be able to produce for 90 minutes consistently throughout the season. I think you even can tell that he knows that based on his, his interview. Mm. Um, he, in said it was, he said it was a pre-existing condition that he is having to manage and it was planned for him to go off at half-time. Is that right? Well, he said that he was planned to not play the full 90, but I think right. the, the knock to the knee just sped it up a little bit. But yeah, look, I think he, Tom Cleverley can still have a role. I just think we all kind of... I think even probably Edwards knows. But I think it's an options issue more than anything. Um, I, I think that it's a case of when we do have everyone available, he's going to be seeing limited minutes. Uh, and nothing's going to change that, really, in my opinion, at this point. I think he's just, it, it's just about where he is at physically, but also what he offers to the team. Even even a fully fit 27-year-old Tom Cleverley is still not what we actually need in this team right now for the function the way Rob wants to. It's not about um, how I feel about Tom as a player or a personality. It's just he's a, he's a different sort of player to what we kind of need. Um what did you think about Gosling when he replaced him? Did did he improve the thought, team? Do you think? No, I thought he had a poor game when Gosling when Gosling came on. I thought he looked a bit stiff. Um, he gave away the ball a bit, and I, I think Gosling's actually more effective when he's playing a bit more advanced. He, Gosling ended up having to be quite deep for large portions, especially after Kamara got sent off. But mm. um, I, I don't think he really um, did much to to kind of push for a start or anything. I thought it was a subpar performance from him. Not that he did terribly, but it just wasn't. He didn't change much. I think, you know, contrast to, uh, I thought when Espria came on, he added a bit of energy and he looked lively and he, he did something to 
to prove himself a little bit. But I thought Gosling was was not great, to be honest with you. Yeah, Spria looked brilliant, didn't he? When he came on, he was all over the place. Just but... energy, just energy and youthful exuberance. It was um, it was good when when Spria was end end of the game. Also, as well, what I will say, um, in regards to subs, if if I may. Um, I, I thought I, I liked what I saw um, movement-wise from Bio. I thought Bio looked good. Um, obviously, he was doing a lot of chasing down, but he, I thought he bent, his bend was really good. He kind of moved around the pitch quite well. He had a, a decent acceleration to him. Um, he was a little bit more, a little bit faster than I was watching his his footage from last year than I kind of thought he was. But he he looked solid, and he also put in a shift defensively. Him and Aspria at one point switched around, so. Bayo would be the one that was taking the. If you, I'm not, I'm not sure if you could, you could see it clearly when you're at the game from when you're sitting. But uh, Spria came on on the right, and Bayo was in the centre. And then not long after, they they switched, so Bayo could be on that on that sideline for the the diags that that Burnley were playing, trying to get the ball into the forward areas. So I thought that was quite a smart move from him. Uh, and yeah, it was just a. I thought some decent positive uh, substitute performances from from those two, especially. Tom, do you want to come in here on a Spria and and Bayo? Yeah, Spreer was um, a lot of fun, wasn't he? He basically got the ball immediately on that far side from me in front of the and John and tried to just take on everybody like a like a child on the playground. It was <laughs> incredibly fun to watch. Um, I think he's going to be a good player for adding a completely different dimension, but also probably taking the, the game to... Oh, sorry, trying to wind the clock down. You know, a lot of energy pace can break away you know if if you get the ball in the, the opportunity to counter at pace you know can hassle and harry and, and work out a possession as well so yeah I was, I was really really interested to see him i hope we see more of him but i think it's you know it's going to be a, a kind of slow burn with him i imagine given our young years and the fact he's coming from a completely different league um bio yeah it was interesting he it was interesting seeing him in the flesh because I think we talked at the time about how uh, we weren't sure if his listed height was accurate or not. Um, I think that was him and not Manai, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Anyway, he isn't very filled out, I thought. He's tall and quite, not he's necessarily long, slight, he? but he's long. Yeah, exactly. I, was, I, said to, I said to my mate, I almost feel like Jao Pedro's filled out more than Bio. Um, but yeah, I think I can't remember him doing much actually in possession of the ball. But no. I was really impressed at the job he did, just putting the pressure on the back line constantly, um, and just you know working hard for the team and and doing that side of things, young glamorous work, which I'm sure is not what he wants to do. Home debut and all that, uh, or debut in fact and all that. But you know it's um, it's it's an encouraging start from him in that respect, and I hope we get to see. Uh, get to see much more of him. Yeah, three debuts in that game uh, on Friday night. Oh, actually, one more player we didn't mention who has been discussed a little bit, I've seen. Uh, what do we think about Mario Gaspar? Yeah, Mario Gaspar. Um, I wasn't that impressed, actually, to be honest. Uh, but oh, then mate. he didn't have... I wouldn't say it was a bad performance. I would just say that his flaws are quite evident, mm. basically. Um so I don't, I don't know if we're that confident with him. I don't know. What what, what do you think? I thought his, I thought his delivery wasn't great. His crossing wasn't great. But what I do think is that I think he's a player that I, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna bang this. I'm gonna just drill this home until it's annoying. Probably already at that point now. But I think again, I think he is a player that's capable of playing with tempo. I think he's come from a team that 
that is used to to using the ball efficiently, but also with some speed. And I think he'll I think he'll be one that does offer something for us, whether it's in the right back, right wing back, or right centre back, wherever it is. I do think we'll see more of it. I think yesterday we weren't putting him into necessarily the best position for him to succeed. But it was his kind of first start. Yeah, it is a different a different style of football, and it's a little bit you know a bit of change for him. So I think we should give him some time. But I do think when you when we start playing more with the ball, I think we'll see better from him. Uh, I think kind of right now he was rare to be inactive on that right hand side. There wasn't much he wasn't used too too much, uh, especially compared to kind of how much camera was used in the left. But I think when it comes to us controlling more of the ball and he becomes a bit more of a passing outlet, he'll do better. Also, when we allow, uh, I think a big part of his game when when we were at, talking about him at Villarreal, he was not necessarily a, a fullback that bombs past his winger. He was someone that kind of gradually creeps up the field as possession builds, and then he'll make those underlapping runs and try and get shots on goal and and use some of that passing uh, quality in forward areas a little bit more. But using him as an overlapping right back in a team that's kind of countering, I think, is not really going to get the most out of him. I, I was surprised to find that um, when we were in the market for a right back and, and Laird was talked about, that um, it, it seemed as though he, he didn't come to us because he wasn't guaranteed playing time. But for me, and I've listened to what you say there, Jordan, and that's fair enough. I probably am, uh, you know, giving my verdict on on Gaspar maybe a bit too early. But I just feel as though Laird would have been a much better fit for that team. But you know, that's just my opinion, and I'm, I'm surprised that we didn't guarantee him the minutes because uh, who knows on that deal, though, man? There's there's so many conflicting reports. Of some say they weren't interested in him. Some say that Rob liked him and changed his mind. Some say that we offer him minutes it's just it's so hard to tell but I've, i get what you're saying he's definitely uh, gaspar is not suited to the right wing back position in my opinion he is suited to a right back or right center back but right wing back's a different a, a different position and one that we'd probably have to address and he maybe suits enough that he can give us some coverage there and, and definitely do a job but if you're talking about building a, a cohesive team he wouldn't be the the player you brought in so i do agree uh, and if we are still looking to eventually play with a with a back three system, I think that's still a position he's addressing, like definitely. Okay, then um, on the other side, Hassan Kamara. Um, a short summary, really. He had a good game, um, and he had to probably make that challenge that he did. He got red carded. He's going to be missed. Yeah, it was a shit touch, wasn't it? <laughs> it's an awful touch, wasn't it? Attempted pass. Yeah, he, yeah. He set himself up for the, you know. Felt it coming it, as well, did you? When, when as soon as the ball was coming towards him, there it just felt like that was going to happen. Like this, yeah, he, in his body language I was concerned. It looked like he was going to beat the guy for pace, and I, I yeah, I, I think he did just sort he of did. get there first, just didn't he? Um, you just think, ah, oh, it's just completely avoidable. He did the right thing in the circumstances, though. I think didn't he? Because going through, you'd have probably fancied the guy to. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think he won us the points there, really, didn't he? With... Yeah, that's. I was annoyed at the time because I, from where I was sat, I thought that the guy had just tripped up and, and made the absolute most of it. But obviously on, on review, he clearly pulls him back, doesn't he? does what he has to do. Tactical red card. It's a shame, really, because, as I said, you know, at the top, finally got him to the left-hand side. He's out, you know, he's going to be in for one game and then out for a game as well. Thankfully, it's only one game. How much um, better was he on the left-hand side, though? Oh, so yeah, much, much. So much better. You saw so much of him more of him going forward, didn't you? Um, you know, yeah. it was, felt like he was really active in those moments when we actually got got a bit of momentum going. Um, he's he's going to be excellent this year. Um, he is also a walking red card. That will happen. Um, 
And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens with Hamza Chowdhury at some point this <laughs> season as well. Should have got two yellows in the first ten minutes, honestly. He was <laughs> he, he was flying him. Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? He fucking loves the challenge. Um, <laughs> also, he was caught I offside a few that. times as well. To be fair, so, yes, you know, yes, he was. Yeah, not 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 amazing, but I still think he 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 did a, he had a great a great game despite all of that. Yeah, he, he had a really good game. I thought I thought he looked a lot better. I mean, he offered an outlet, and it shows what he could do at left wing back as well. Uh, if he was actually kind of put in that role. Uh, and this um, is... Oh, sorry, yeah. go on. I've cut you off. No, no, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. Just one match, Brian? Is, is, that what, is that what we're thinking as well? Yeah, one match, yeah, one match. One match. This, is, this is the thing, you know, the, the kind of Gaspar debate. If ultimately we end up playing a four or we play a four and Gaspar is to right back, it's no disaster, I guess, that he's not the most, you know, attack-minded, as, as you were saying, Jordan, you know, did want to kind of hang back, seemingly, because if Kamara's going to go then he can be the one to sit in with the other two and, you know, kind of play it in a bit more of a, you know, lopsided funnel a lot of it down the left-hand side um, yeah. and, and make that a three. So, you know, And don't get me wrong, though. He will contribute. He, Gaspar is capable. It's, the difference is, is he's not... As soon as Sar gets the ball, he's not going to be sprinting to look and get over his right shoulder. That's not his... Gaspar shines when you're building up through midfield and you're working your way up the pitch. You think about Villarreal, you think about how they play... They look to retain a little bit of the ball, uh, keep that kind of central midfield, the ball's ticking. It allows the time for midfielders to just kind of draw, uh, sorry, the fullbacks to draw up uh, and then actually you know, essentially become a wide midfielder who can get involved in possession. That's where the attacking threat can come from. You know, the ball's into the forward areas. If Gaspar's kind of on that halfway line when we have the ball in the centre circle, he's someone that can play the ball into your striker quite effectively. And that's where his attacking threat comes from. Rather than cam- cameras, all action, getting past his winger, helping support, getting crosses into the box, running with the ball. Gaspar, you more want to use as a thing of more like a difference between a ball-playing midfielder and a, a you know, direct attacking midfielder. Just a different sort of role, a different sort of way of integrating into that attacking kind of lineup. Okay, cool. Um, one last one from me on the game itself, and then we'll move on to talking about some transfers. When are we going to learn to be able to take a corner? Oh, God. Gosling's co- actually, if you talk about Gosling's substitute appearance, it should actually be put down to a zero because those co- those set pieces were horrific, weren't they? Honestly, some of the worst selection of set pieces I've ever seen in professional football matches. It's so bad. It's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a ridiculous run we're on, isn't it? For just not yeah. having a set piece take. I mean, it's I know we've discussed this to death, but is it? I mean, since Alman Abdi, there's not really been anyone, is there at all? No, no. Awful. The best we've had has been Daniel to- Daniel Toja for the time he was there was great. Yeah, he was but good. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's so hard to watch. It's such a waste. Such a waste. Crying out for someone that can take a dead ball situation. We got linked something. to Yanusovic a couple of years ago, and I just ho- I hoped at the time it would happen just because of his set piece taking ability. But we've not even really been. And it's a difficult one because you don't necessarily you're not going to recruit purely for set piece taking. They've got to obviously be able to contribute other areas too, but. It's an element. It's a fact we've got to consider into some positions, surely. Mm. What well, I mean, I was thinking this. Can yeah. we not be? That's it. Can you not be looking at you know within midfielders? You know, someone that can take a set piece as well. Surely that we comes be, into or even, their thinking yeah, at some point. Any position, every single position we're looking at right now, a, a significant value should be placed on their ability to de- deliver a set ball because if you're not beating the first man, I know we're talking about a, a few goals that are scored can be scored from set pieces, but can make a pretty big difference. There's a reason why so many teams invest in invest in set piece coaches and so on. If you talk about 
you talk about Richard Carl as well being one of the guys that's going to be involved in you know set pieces and how kind of central that was to Forest Green Rovers um, last year. I mean, it's pretty wasted right now if you can't even get the ball into the box. What 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 point is there having work on set pieces if you can't deliver the ball? Yeah, but, um, that that is something we have to address, and it's not it's almost a joke for us, isn't it? We talk about this as like kind of not I mean not a joke. It's frustrating, but we it's laughable how bad it is, but. You know, we are actually missing out on some significant opportunities to have a goal threat. It would probably be more just because they're set pieces, we kind of overlook it a little bit. But if it was if it was players that just weren't able to shoot at all inside, like outside the box, we'd have maybe a bit more concern about it. But it's just oh, endlessly frustrating. A good set piece taker will win you games. Just look at Southampton. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, an elite set piece taker like Ward Prowse is you know incredible to have and. Even just a, even just an adequate. It's, I mean, we're talking about professional free kicks. You know, you work on the training ground. You're looking to to create space for your players in there. You're looking to be innovative and and so on. And also, you're talking about delivery into into specific situations. All we're asking for is just to get be able to get the ball into the box would be a start. Mm. Right. Okay. Uh, I think we've done the game to death now. So let's move on to some transfers. Um, One last thing I'm going to say oh, before it finally dies. Okay, I thought right. Ken Semmer was good. Okay, we can move on. No, no, no. Ken Semmer did well. I, I was Ken pleased Semmer that was Ken good. Semmer was able to still be part of that game on the left-hand side without losing one of him or Kamara. So I, was, I, was, yeah. I was happy about that. He ended up on the right quite a lot as well, didn't he? Him and, um, uh, was it Saar, before he went off, yeah. were swapping quite often. And in fact, that was obviously where he got his assist from. So, yeah. That's yeah, the most we've talked he... about an actual game for a while, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Nice. Right, transfers. Um, I suppose the first most recent thing, at least uh, according to us today at uh, 13th of August, about nine o'clock in the evening, Samir has been sold to Tigres, the uh, Mexican side, <laughs> Nice pronunciation. For yeah, uh, like you rolled the R as well. For six million euros. Good business. That's, that's money laundering, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Take that. Good out, good but... excellent business. <laughs> Very good. I'm not sure how we managed to I mean he's a I we rate him. Well we we're obviously rating him because we're disappointed that we're losing him. But um I don't think any of us really valued him at that amount, did we? No, I think it's decent, no. decent business. Yeah. Excellent. Um I guess did we discuss we we already just yeah we discussed Chowdhury in the last podcast right yeah we did we did, yeah, uh, we did. but we okay. probably didn't mention that Chowdhury uh, as uh, quoted by the Athletic um, is available for around about six million pounds at the end of the season uh, probably yeah Bargain a few again. stipulations possibly us having gained promotion being part of that maybe uh, maybe an obligation if we gain promotion but I'm assuming the option is there regardless. Okay, well, that'll be brilliant if it is, because at the minute it looks like a steal, doesn't it? Yeah, generally, generally the option will be not conditional, but right, an obligation okay. will be. Right. Okay. Good. Well, I'm pleased about that. That um that could be a very very good deal for us uh, to get Chowdhury yeah. in for such a low fee, considering how valuable he could be to us going forward, and he's still young as well, so decent. Yeah. Um. Okay, the Emmanuel Dennis uh, transfer to Forest has been confirmed. Um, how much do we think he's gone for ultimately? Reports I'm around sure twenty around, million is what we've been talked about, but yeah, I think yeah, around twenty million. I think it talk about twenty two by the time we've paid off the sell on um, the sell on fee and so on. I think we're looking at about twenty two. I believe as the most recent figure. Tom, you think it's twelve point five plus seven point five in add-ons or something? Yeah, but only in or instalments, only because right, that's what okay. the BBC were reporting. Simon Stone, who's usually pretty um, pretty hot on these things, so um, that I mean that seems like pretty good business to me. I I know there's a kind of conflicting opinion on, or, or sorry, you know, two kind of schools of thought on on this. One being it's good money, one being you know we've sold another one, but. You know, guy costs less than four million, and excuse me, we've sold him for kind of five times that. There's no world in which that isn't good business. We never realistically expected to keep him, did we? We thought we might get to keep him at least until January. It hasn't worked out, but the next best thing is pocketing a big fat fee for him. So yeah, I'm fine. And if it. it was between if it was between keeping Dennis and selling Saar, or keeping Saar getting Davis and selling Dennis, I'd take that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one more exit, um, and that was Pontus Dahlberg, who's gone to Gutenberg uh, of the Swedish Premier League. Um, Is that prob- your Swedish pronunciation? Gutenberg, yeah. Yeah, I've gone oh, for nice. Gutenberg. Um, I- that sounds quite German. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Gutenberg. Gutenberg. I don't know what Swedish really I sounds I like. I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, the point is, has he been dealt a bad hand by Watford? So I tweeted about this on Friday night. No, Thursday night. Yes, Thursday night. 
um, when I was getting on the tube in London and I'd had five or six pints. So I was a bit more aggressive <laughs> with my tweeting than I maybe would be normally. <laughs> Is that when you sent a, a, a text message, um, Tom? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read this back to you now. <laughs> Go on. The text message that you sent was, uh, "See you in drunk. See you in yes. drunk. Yes, that's Sue, not... as in the Ronaldo Sue, as in the not... Ronaldo Sue. Yeah. Oh. I'm tea drunk as one word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> before 11 p.m. So you know, make of that what you will. Yeah, I I just saw as I was getting on the tube that he was he'd gone to um. He'd gone. And I thought, I thought, you know, he was meant to be very highly rated, etc. And we essentially just never gave him a chance. And, and I don't even mean by that a chance to play. I just mean like an actual pathway. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we've signed goalkeepers and goalkeepers and goalkeepers, it feels like. And there was never really a plan for him. And maybe he was crap, right? Like, well, there are, there we, is saw, we all there saw is... he made some errors out on loan, I guess all goalkeepers do. But yeah, it just never felt like, it just always felt like an afterthought. He was also signed as a as a young player too. I think when you when you sit, look at those players, you see a few traits that you like, and if you think it's worthwhile, you put a fee down, you bring him to your club, you see what he is, give him a chance on loan, uh, and maybe he's not. He doesn't, maybe he doesn't turn into be in. Oh God, wow. Maybe he doesn't turn into what you think or hope he does, and you just move on from it. I think it's probably one of those cases where we took a shot, wasn't quite what we thought, not the end of the world. He can move on, and and so can we, I guess. Awesome. Oh, also one more. Th- I did. I just seen a couple of reports that seem quite legit that um, that Brighton have potentially agreed a fee with Pervis Estepinian from Villarreal, which would also give us another little pay boost because we've got a sell on on him as well. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Excellent. Um. Yeah. Okay, then uh, let's talk about some transfers that are coming in. Then, obviously, Chowdhury, who came in and uh, has already done wonderfully. Next is Keenan Davis, who. Uh, mm-hmm. Is uh, done and dusted. It was reported this morning that uh, that signing's got over the line. Um, what do we think about this one, guys? I don't think this signing's getting enough credit. I don't think it's getting enough hype in some ways. I, I think Keenan Davis is. There's always the caveat um, of if fit when it comes to Keenan Davis. That's been that's been pretty much banded around every time he's mentioned. But it, I'm not sure if you if you got a chance to watch his time at, at Forest last year. I thought he was I thought he was excellent. Um, I think he's someone that we should be really, really pleased about. This it's not the sort of deal that I thought the club would go for in some ways. Uh, I, I thought the the kind of archers and so on were kind of more likely we'd kind of pursue those. I know that kind of got taken out of our hands, but I think Keenan Davis is the better player for us. Uh, I think he's a really, really strong player, and I think he's someone that we should be quite happy we've managed to to convince to come down here. And obviously, it's a loan with an option to buy, and I'll, I'll get into my theory on that in a little bit, actually, but. Um, I think he's a really solid player, someone that offers us, offers us a lot on the ball. He's a great hold-up play. He's a really good carrier of the ball, uh, and he can be a threat in the box as well. He's someone that can be a goal scorer too, I think. He can add that to his game even more so. But I think he's a really um, unique player, uh, and the potential to definitely be one of the best strikers in the league if, if you kind of get him in the right position to do so. Certainly feels more like a, uh, a Rob Edwards signing, this one, Tom. Yeah, it does. I have been kind of encouraged by everything that Forest fans have said about him as well. Um, the comments on the, the quick piece on The Athletic um, were very encouraging. Watford fans who want to see what he's capable of. Search for his second goal against Reading and his assists for Garner against Coventry and Blackburn. You won't be disappointed. So I went and watched his goals and assists last season. And the thing that stood out for me was um, 
pretty much all of them you could put down to him being strong and physical and using his body well, whether that was, you know, running across somebody into the box and scoring, um, kind of muscling his way through players and scoring a header. He scored against Cardiff where he just completely gets the better of Perry and G. There's one where he kind of hustles someone off the ball for Barnsley, Mads Anderson. Um, you know, he, he looks like he does that side of things well. He's evidently quick. But you see from the assists that he got both weirdly for Joe Garner. Uh, that would be something. James Garner. We did that a <laughs> lot when again. he was here, I think, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. There's no way we could talk that... about it wouldn't be fair to talk about James Garner without calling him Joe Garner first. <laughs> I wish I genuinely wish that was an intentional throwback to an in joke, but that was a complete accident. Um, you know, but that they show, you know, he's you know, can use the ball, hold up, use the ball, bring others into play. I think, and I think that's what we we kind of need from our strikers. I don't think anyone else has um, done that out of the guys that play. Maybe Manai is going to do that, uh, but I don't think that's really the role of the others, is it? Certainly not, you know, Saar and, and Pedro at this point. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited. Uh, Forest fans seem to love him, and a few of them would have seemingly taken him back in the Prem. Others maybe not, but I th- it seems like good business to me. One question. What's your theory on the, the loan to buy, Jordan? I'll get to that after Matt's question. What's your question, Matt? One one question about the Keenan Davis signing. And I know um, we've just got rid of Dennis, but um, that striking uh, section of the Watford squad seems quite full up now. Um, we have a lot. Are they all going to get a chance to, to play? Well, it depends. If we play with two up front, then there's a there's a possibility, there's always a possibility that um, Pedro plays predominantly as a 10 going forward, I'd say. So you're not worried about it? No, I think the the, the, the bigger worry is actually homegrown or not. Um, oh, if there's a that, out, yeah. does, does he count as homegrown? He is, he is, but Excellent. it's more the others, Benage, uh, Benage, well, um, Manai, Manai <laughs> and Bio um, is obviously the, the questions that, are, you know, how did we fit those? And also, um, you know, I don't think Pedro counts as homegrown either. Um, no. even being under 20 so it's it's yeah that's the difficulty um but there's opportunity based on the shape you know but the, i think also too it's a gamble we'd take with some of those signings you know it'd be great when we're playing we're playing the chicken game we're playing with dennis and sar and you know we're not going to sign the one until they go but we picked up some as kind of insurance i think we assumed that the one or two would go so i think manai is one of those players that was taken in that kind of vein uh, and if he doesn't stay then, or if he doesn't get as many minutes as we maybe originally planned, it's worth it if it means we can still bring in someone with the quality of Davis. Because I do think he's a real difference maker. Okay. Uh, what, what kind of a striker is he, Jordan? Keenan Davis? Is he uh, a poacher? Is he, is he someone that's going to be uh, you know, running running on the last man? I don't think he really plays to a particular label in a sense. I think he offers a lot, though. I think he, he's, a, he's great at holding the ball up. Um, he, he can Defenders can bounce off him. He's strong. But he's got he's got technique as well. He's not just a bulldozer, although he can do that. He, as I said, he can run and players are bouncing off him. But he's also someone that can take a touch, take the ball down, turn and slip in the winger. Um, he, he's his link up play is excellent. I think he he adds a lot of he he increases the goal scorer, scoring ability of the players around him, which is you know extremely valuable. But also someone that can tr- contribute in front of goal too. I mean, a lot, a lot of made. I think I've seen quite a few fans say, "Oh, he only scored five and got three assists." He only played seventeen or so games for Forest. He kind of joined them half of the season. I don't think that was a bad return at all, especially for the impact he had 
um, in general thought for them. I thought he was very, very good. So I think he offers a lot. Uh, I think he's one that you can definitely see quite quickly that he'll be um, an important player for us when he's on the pitch. My theory that I'll get to real quick though about the about the actual deal because it's a loan with an option to buy, and I think I believe again that is an obligation should we get promoted. Uh, but the option, I do wonder if the, I do wonder if this has been done for financial fair play situation that the contract for him to join is actually already agreed, um, that it's kind of a, it's an understood situation that he'll be joining us permanently at the end of the season regardless. And I say that just because his contract at Villa still has another year after this year, but his post on social media when he left Villa on loan, as in yesterday, was very much saying like an end of an era thing. You know, I've been to this club since I was 17 or whatever it was. Like, thanks for the opportunity. Like, you know, the classic footballer leaving a club situation. But technically, he's under contract another year. So I feel like that option to buy is um, maybe not quite the option that it sounds like. I feel like it might be something which the club has agreed with the player to execute already, which would be promising for us because I know there'd always be the worry that he would get to the end of the season and then not want to stay but if that is in place then that would be ideal i just think the, the the tone in which that post was made suggests to me that he obviously knows he's not coming back and technically he should be if we weren't to to kind of follow that option up so i think he might be one which uh is extended pretty much already interesting jordan weimer personal trainer football analyst and detective <laughs> part-time sleuth part-time yeah. sleuth right okay um that's the confirmed one then. There has been rumours uh, about a guy called Matthias Nunes. Um, oh, yes, yeah. What do we know about him? Is he actually a a, a a deal for Watford or is it a deal for Udinese or is it uh, just transfer speculation? To be honest, I don't know too much about him other than I asked a few people and the, the pretty much what I got back is great carrier of the ball, really fun to watch, attacking, likes to dribble and really aggressive and, and a lot of pressure off the ball. So some similar traits to Dennis is kind of the closest thing I got back from him. But uh, I know that the talk of him being interested or being linked to Udinese was based on him following Udinese on Instagram uh, recently, but if that's what we go by, then he's also now followed Watford. So who knows really with that? But, this is um, the uh, the youngster from Fluminense of Brazil. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and we obviously have a good connection with them based on Richarlison and then yeah, Pedro as well. So, mm. but it's, I don't know too much. I haven't had a chance to watch him yet, to be quite honest with you. Tom, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Okay, Spe- speculation as it stands. Um, okay, then one more thing on transfers. Um. What else do we want to be completely happy? Same. Same as we said before. I still think outside centre-backs, wing-back is the is the main objective, I'd say, now. Okay. Anyone that you think might be able to fit that role? Um, I mean, Matt Clark is what... Uh, we're talking about being realistic, too. Matt Clark, Courtney House have been the ones that have been discussed That's true. as the... That's true. As the um, as the outside centre-back options. The right wing-back one really depends. I still think that's probably something where we are looking for a loan based on the interest we've had in potentially Laird. And, I mean, it's possible, I guess, we bring an actual signing. And now maybe maybe the um, maybe the transfer of Dennis uh, and the fee that will be coming in for him changes somewhat the optics we look at this position through. Maybe we'll see that as mm. something we should invest in. But if not, if you're looking in the loan market, then there's obviously been the talk of, or at least some people have suggested, um, Brooke Norton Cuffey, which I think is actually a good suggestion um, on loan from Arsenal. I think he'd offer something, he had a really good loan spell. 
last season at Lincoln and offered offered a lot going both ways and I think he'd be a potential one you know obviously close to Arsenal and there's a lot of lot lot to like there but yeah okay cool well Scott Luxbury has said that he will invest some of the money uh that uh, comes in from transfers so um that's a good sign and um it's, it's good that we've already seen the likes of Kieran Davis and Chowdhury coming through the door so good stuff um okay let's move on to some questions then because we put out uh, a uh a, a bulletin saying bulletin we put out a tweet saying um if you could get some questions in for us and uh, we've had a few so let's go through them chris bone says how near are we to having the squad rob needs following recent transfers just what we said i think we're still missing the sent the outside center back and the wing back i think you give him that um you get the players fit who are missing and he's got pretty much everything at his disposal and then you can kind of put it over you know, hand it over to rob good stuff uh tom i assume you agree with that so i'll just move on to John Parsloke, who says uh, there are clearly differing views on KMB. I know Tom sees nothing, whilst I saw a good performance and a growing influence last night. So the question is, what is the real KMB and have we got a player or not? Probably one for Jordan, he mentions. We did kind of discuss this a bit earlier, but what's the summary of what we discussed earlier, Jordan? <clears throat> summary, I think we... I think Kambe is divisive. So I think he he fluctuates between both the the opinions which are held by both sides. I think he fluctuates between both of them. Um, I think we have to see the good things he does faster and more consistently, uh, and he can he can have an impact. I think there is a player there for sure. I think he has ability. He just needs to find his place, and he has to kind of define it a little bit more. Um, and I think it really comes down to the moment it's subjective based on what you value as the individual. But I, I think there is a player there. We just have to see a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost in in his performance, and, and and we can actually find out a little bit more about him. I think it's still a little bit up in the air right now, but clearly he's being played. Um, so so Rob sees something in him. Uh, I just think we kind of need to uh, to see it be a little bit refined. I hope that's an answer to the question. I know it's somewhat of a sitting on the fence sort of answer, but that's just kind of where I am on it right now. No, I mean, that's, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. Okay, yeah. next one uh, from Dorita. Uh, I'll throw this one to you, Tom. Do you think we're going unbeaten at home this season? No, it's the championship. We'll probably have a bad run at some stage. We always, you know, you always do. I would love that to be the case. We deserve it, I think, after putting up with everything last season at home. But honestly, I to kind of, talk elaborate about that i don't think you can underestimate the importance of getting those wins at home early particularly in hard games imagine if it had gone the other way you know obviously sheffield united in the playoffs last season burnley coming down with us you know it's totally conceivable you come away from those games with no points or one point or something and then the run goes on and the longer that goes on it you know impacts those players a lot of whom are still there from from last season so I, I think just for Rob and for the players and for the fans it's been so important to get those wins on the board early and kind of you know alleviate that pressure banish those memories and hopefully set us up for a, a good season at home I would take I would just take a winning record at home yeah same uh Andrew Reynolds says do you think we need to recruit another midfielder or can players within the squad step up and be that progressive passer that we clearly need? Yeah, I think um, I still think loser is the answer to that question. And then in the attacking, if we do play with a three in midfield, I think you wouldn't see cleverly there as much. I think as time goes on, we'll most likely see um, Aspria and Pedro occupy those, situ- those positions, especially now we have um, Davis. Pedro is a, a genuine uh, contender to fill that number 10 role. I think that would be quite useful, actually. Yeah, the ideal situation for me would be a, a midfield three of um, 
of losing Shaudry and then either Espira or Pedro. Yeah, I mean that that would be a lovely midfield, wouldn't it? I think it is a question too. for you two off the back of that. That Dominguez Keener, do, do we see any real role for him this year? Given there are a lack of midfielders, um, yeah. What do, what no, do you guys reckon? He's, he's gone. I think done. Yeah, I, I think, think that Rob Elliott, Elliott likes him. But did I say Rob Elliott? Oh, <laughs> Rob Elliott might like him, I mean, but it's Rob Edwards. I think Rob Elliott Elliot loves him. Um, <laughs> I think Rob Edwards <laughs> likes him um, because he's still there. Otherwise, he could have. He, surely the, the club would have got rid of him by now. Or, or... I think they might still. Yeah. Only been I on the bench so. one of three games. So just, in, you know, he's homegrown as well, isn't he? So that's true. Um, yeah, I just, I just wonder. It's a shame because I like him, but I do kind of feel like his time here has probably essentially been and gone now, um, which yeah. is, which is a real shame because I do think there's a player there, but he hasn't shown it for any level of consistency, has he? Any consistent period mm-hmm. of time? If we didn't have a spree, I'd say he would be, be one to sort of battle with Jao Pedro. Well, maybe not Agreed, battle, yeah. but at least to, you know, sub on for Jao Pedro. But now we've got a spree. I don't know if there really is a place for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Mikey Abrahams. Uh, with the Kamara ban, would you stick to four three three and maybe give Morris a game at left back, or move to three at the back with Semmer and Gaspar as wing backs? I'd probably change to three at the back. Um, I wouldn't give Morris a go. I think there's more chance of Ngakia playing one side than if we play the four three three. There's more chance of Ngakia playing one side and Gaspar playing the other. Um, but I would probably switch to the back three for this one. I think it, we should have the ability to dominate a little bit more against Birmingham. I think I, I wouldn't underestimate um, how much better we could we could potentially look in possession against the team that doesn't have the ability that um, West Brom and Burnley have. I like the Morris suggestion. I think I really rate him as a player. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad player. I just think if, if he was if he was good enough, he would be around the squad now. If 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 they felt confident, I should say. He might be good enough and they just don't know it. But if they felt like he was, then they wouldn't be Yeah, maybe maybe they've got a better opinion of Morris. Maybe he'll be there. But he hasn't been around the squad yet. He didn't really feature much in preseason, did he? But um, I just think you guys would... are disrespecting Danny Rose, to be honest, as an option. <laughs> <laughs> is he actually even still training somewhere? I mean, God knows where he is, what he's doing. Did he get a squad number? He didn't get a squad number, did he? No, didn't he get a squad know. number, no. He played for Tottenham on the 21s, didn't he, last week or the week before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, 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 I mean a... what a fall from grace. Anyway, but we should move on. But He could come back like a phoenix from the ashes, though. Not for Watford, he can't. <laughs> oh, savage. Richard Steeden. Uh, hi, fellas. Can Gaspar play as a wing-back? And if he can't, are we switching to a conventional four? And is a Davis Saar combo feasible as a partnership? I like the idea of Davis and Saar as a two. I don't know about you, that you know Davis would be presumably quite happy to do the physical, unglamorous work and whatnot, and Saar, you know, running beyond using his pace and whatnot would possibly benefit. I, I don't know what you think, Jordan. As for yeah, Gaspar. I have no idea, but I tell you what, I just can't wait to find out the answer because it feels like all we talk about is is Gaspar a right back or a right wing back or a right side centre half? I'd say I'd say Gaspar is. I think Gaspar's primary positions for us will be right back or right centre back, but he can play a right wing back. I, I mean, I don't really like to make the comparisons; it just feels such low hanging fruit. But I think think about his um, positional kind of application, similar to what Cassetti was. Yeah, he could play there, but he's. 
he's you want him elsewhere to really kind of get the most rob wants rob wants right wing backs or left oh, sorry rob would want wing backs that can fly forward like kamara can um and whilst he whilst gaspar can play that position it's not going to be the sort of profile that the rob's really looking for so i do think he can play there in a, in a pinch if we need him to but i don't think that'll be the the ideal situation and as for davis and Saar, i think the ideal combination at this point would be a, a, a kind of front three or the, the kind of number 10 spot occupied by Pedro and then the front two of Davis and Sarah, I think would be very good in combination. You know, kind of think about all those three players being involved. It's quite promising. Here's a question. If we forget, you know, the fact that uh, Kiko's gone now, Saar benefited so much from having Kiko in that position. It, it, I think uh, the vast amount of what he did great, uh, particularly in the championship, Saar, often came from a ball from from Kiko, or at least them two working together well, is he going to be able to have that kind of a partnership with Gaspar, or is it just not going to be the, the Well, it's, the it's different. It's different. Um, Kiko was good at opening space when teams were doubling up because he got forward and, and helped. Um, but if he's playing in the fr- if he's playing as one of the, the two forwards, then you'd hope that this, he'd be getting support from Davis and, and the attacking midfield as well a little bit more, perhaps. Okay, cool. Uh, final question, then this one from Mick Holiday. Uh, can we, will we, should we keep Saar? I think we will. I just yeah. don't think anyone's going to offer what is a good deal for us. And if he's not kicking off and, you know, he didn't the last time, um, then then why would you? He he could make such a, he can be a difference maker. It's that simple, can't he? In, yeah, in a position like this. Yeah, agreed. We have actually got one um, other question too. Uh, from Ollie, and I'll get his. This is kind of a three-part question. I'll get the two easier ones to answer out first. Uh, thoughts on Gaspar's debut? I think we kind of covered that already, didn't we? So yeah. I'll see. Um, I want to shout out that he mentioned it, but yeah, I, I'd, I mean, I'd say it was um, not spectacular. Not spectacular, but I think there's room to improve for, yeah. sh- for sure on him. Um, and do we still need the midfielder, or will loser provide that much needed creativity? I think loser will will be a difference maker personally. Um, you guys agree or no it's, it's weird because before Chowdhury came in I wouldn't have said we needed that kind of a player but now it seems obvious that we did mm. yeah so, well I, I think I think loser will definitely help that for sure well, um, do, do we need a replacement for whatever Tom cleverly Dan Gosling at OKMBA offers well they offer it um, I don't think we should play I <laughs> I think we need to replace. Um, no, I mean over... like a, a younger, better version. No, what? I don't. I, I don't know. No, because I, I think what they do, we can use sparingly, and all they can, and they really offer it sparingly anyway. So I would just stick with that. If we want that sort of option, there's nothing wrong with using Tom Cleverly, but it's not really something you want as a ninety-minute option, in my opinion. Um, so I think that we can we can get what we want out of those guys. I'd say, in my opinion, and Kambe has got a little bit more to offer, hopefully. Um, and then in terms of the last, the bigger question is, what is Pedro's best position? Oli feels it's number 10, um, but he's not kind of as great out wide or as an out and out striker. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I prefer number 10, to be honest, yeah. because I don't know if he's got the discipline. And by that, I mean to stay central and be the focal point. Um, you know, he he wants to get on the ball, doesn't he? And and, and involve himself and influence things. And I just think you, that is 
what he's good at. There were some lovely little interchanges last night. There was one I tweeted about it, I think, down on the right-hand side where Gaspar could have kind of gone and helped him, actually, but he just let him play his way out of trouble and he was just grinning, Gaspar, as, I, as in, like, bloody hell, he's good, isn't he? And, yeah. you know, he, he so is. Um, so, no, I would like to see him. I would like to see him 10, to be honest with you. Yep, 10 for me as well. Yeah, agreed. All right, I think that pretty much concludes it, doesn't it? Yeah, go, 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 go on, Tom. I was going to say, I'll submit one, actually. Um, uh, Tom Bedell here. Um, we talked, we touched on it earlier, but just interested to hear what you guys think now in more detail. The homegrown thing. If, if I've done my calculations right, I've taken Samir out of it now, uh, I think we've got 16 non-homegrown players, which is Okoye, Gaspar, Sierra Alta, Cabasele, Kamara, Sema, Kayembe, Luza, Pedro, Espria, Saar, Bayo, Manai, Kalu, Puseto, and Penuranda. I mm. think that is everybody that's sort of in the first team group. So that's 16. There's not many more you can realistically trim from that if we assume we're getting it down to 11 or as close to 11 as possible well, without this... losing some people that are genuinely first team members. Yeah. Well, obviously, well, Pesetto, Pesetto, Pesetto and, Pesetto and, so and Penaranda. So I think Pesetto and Penaranda are obviously goners, so that takes it down to 14. Kalu yeah, with with Davis signed, got to be a goner, hasn't he? So that's 13. You've got to lose he's, three he more. He didn't even make the bench when we played with wingers yesterday. So um, Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like that. You've got to lose three more. It's not going to be Pedro, Espria, Kayembe, Luza, Sema, Kamara. I Gaspar. think it'll be any one of Manai or Bayo making the bench every week or making the team every week. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And then after that, maybe you just... I, I still think there's a chance Cabaselli might go, personally. I think there is as well, yeah. I think he's the lowest... Basically, we've got two homegrown centre-halves and he's not the first choice. And inc- potentially including one more as well, so... Uh, as in adding one more homegrown. Um, yeah, exactly. Or who knows? Never know. Something might happen. They might add two. Um, so I'd say Cabasili's next, yeah. yeah. There's definitely something they've and got the, to be looking at. Local man yeah. will not be pleased because he is not local. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I hadn't realised how few we've essentially got left that, you know, are, are kind of playable. Uh, sorry, that mm. you can kind of tinker with now. There's, there's not yeah. many, so it's tight. They've got lots of. They've still got a lot of work to do. This, the rest of the window they should do. be interesting for sure. Do, do we think, as a follow up, then that that, that that Rob is looking to have just eleven or as close to eleven as possible? As in eleven non-homegrown, non-homegrowns, yeah, to negate. This it seems to pick. If you believe the the statement at the beginning, that was an essential part of the process was to make sure that we weren't having to have players miss out based on their nationality. That was something he wanted to have um, full access to the players at every point. So, if we're kind of going off his word there, then that's why that's kind of leads me. That's why it leads me to think that um, that Cabaselli would be one of the ones that would be cut uh, because of that. You know, fitting into that sort of. Um, that sort of mindset, really, because you know you've still got other options in Trusta Kong and so on. Even though Trusta Kong is one that could potentially leave as well, but just looking at options you have, he's kind of the next on the chopping board in terms of players you would be happy or okay with leaving. Well, obviously, Cabaselli was favoured ahead of Trust yesterday for the, the substitution. Well, they could both go. It wouldn't surprise me if they actually both went as it happens. 
Okay, cool. Uh, I think that comes to the end of the show. Um, thanks very much for joining me again, guys. Uh, enjoyed this one? Yeah, yeah thanks for always. having us back. Cool. Uh, let's just talk about a couple of things. In uh, we had uh, a review in, um, and if you do like the show, you're listening to it, and you think, "Hey, I'd like to tell these guys just what I think," you can do that by going to uh, us on iTunes. We are called the Watford uh, Buzz Podcast, uh, and you've probably found us because you're listening to us now. Uh, just scroll over to the bottom, give us a rating out of five, and tell us what you think we could do to improve. Uh, and Bren MX has done just that. He or she says. Good job and well done. Love the analysis. You guys really know your stuff and obviously have an in-depth knowledge of the tactics and formations that are in play uh, every week. This is by far the best Watford podcast around. Don't come here for negativity or rah-rah opinions. You will get an honest and balanced analysis of everything that is going on at the club. Please keep it up and come on, you horns. Oh, that's very nice from you. Top man. I think you might be North American using the rah-rah phrase, and the list. Ah, which is interesting. <laughs> okay. Like it. Well, thank you for Thanks that for the review. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, another one from Rich. We agree, by the way. Oh, by you agree? Oh, oh, excellent. By far the best. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah of course we're the best. Of course we're the best. Uh, and then Rich40WFC says, honest and informative, excellent, honest dissection of performances gone by and a great way to fill gaps between games. Keep up the good work. So thank you both to you two. Uh, and that means they are both in the hat for the uh, Elton John merchandise giveaway, which um, has very kindly been donated by an anonymous uh, fan of the show. And um, yeah, so everyone that uh, sort of gets in a review will go into the hat for that. And um, yeah, looking forward to, to sending it out because it's really good stuff. Um, but also, you know, just get in touch because you want to talk to us as well, not just... Uh, because you want to win some Elton John merch. Um, either way, we, just leave the review. Yeah, either way, either review. It would be lovely. <laughs> um, uh, and also, if you really like us, uh, you can find us on Patreon as well. Um, just by just search for Patreon at Watford Buzz Podcast, and you can uh, chip in a few pounds towards uh, running the running show costs, and also so that we can have a couple of drinks every now and again. Um, we're hoping to uh do a uh, a big meetup at some point when jordan comes across from the pond um around christmas time you think jordan that'll be that's that's probably the plan yeah that would probably be the plan nice in which case i'll definitely be sure to get to a few watford games over that time so we'll find a venue uh probably before uh, a watford game so like you know the morning of and uh have a couple and uh anyone that wants to chat to us can chat to us about uh, all things watford cool if you really don't like Matt and myself, then feel free to join Tom's uh, fan group, I'm sure. They're still recruiting. Um, Tom does a good job of keeping that up to date. So just head over to his page and he's got the link to the uh, link to the join up page there. That's right. At TB Bedell. And while we're at it, at Jordan Weimer and at Messi Messiano. You can follow all of us. And, of course, at um, Watford Pod, I think we are. Yeah. I yeah. Think we're at and... At Equestrian Buzz, that's still going. Uh, don't forget our Equestrian uh, podcast, which for those of you that are new will have no idea what that's about. Um, basically, we had a bit of fun last time talking about how we could have invented several different. We cover all the all the week's Equestrian news. 
All right, good stuff. We'll see you after the next fixture, which um, has completely run out of my head. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Birmingham. Tuesday. Birmingham. Excellent. Looking forward to that one. The return of Troy Deeney. All right. Until then, uh, enjoy uh, your weekend, and um, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 